0: Your spirit, the problem that you promised us, Lord. Fill us with your spirit to hear your word today. Help us to be in tune and just to do your will, Lord. We thank you. There's a river of life.
1: that song says blessed assurance Jesus is mine oh what a foretaste of glory divine heir of salvation purchase of God born of his spirit washed in his blood this is my story this is my song praising my savior all the day long father we thank you for the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus that can be applied to all of our sins that where sin did abound grace did much more abound and we thank you Lord for the saving power of the cross of Christ and Lord we want to thank you and praise you today and show our gratitude to you by giving to you out of our resources you have blessed us give to you out of our abundance We give to you out of our need but we give into your work and into your kingdom because we want to see your kingdom expanded bless our tithes and offerings and gifts this day in jesus name amen, amen. Before I start, we just I just need to bring to you some prayer requests that uh, you may just want to uh, jot down and, and keep in mind. We'll we'll pray for them later. we want to pray for Ray. Ray will be going in tomorrow for some focused radiation on her on her liver. So we want to be in prayer for her. Um, we want to. Uh, I want to pray for, for Joni and her two sisters. Um, Joni is <clears throat> Joni's having some problems with her eyesight. Her eyesight is diminishing. Her one sister just had a leg amputated because of MS. And her other sister, Faith, is suffering from cancer and is, is, um, is deteriorating as well. So we're going to pray for that. Um, I know there's bugs going around. Um, little man, um, Angie Christopher, he's at home with a fever. Jimmy's at home with a stomach ache, fever, whatever's going on. So we just uh, we just have a number of things that uh, we need to we need to pray about, and we will do that. Um, but right now. We just want to pray, we want to look into the Word, okay? So let's just bow our heads for a moment. Father, uh, we understand from your Word, we just looked at it last week, we saw in the Word that um, the Spirit is what reveals the truth of you to us, the truth of your Word, the truth of who you are. Uh, The Spirit understands the things of God. And the spirit that indwells in us is that same spirit, and so he is able to open our hearts and minds to understand what you are trying to say to us, the deep things of God. So I pray, Lord, that you will help us today to see what your word is trying to get across to us. We will leave this place determined to follow your word. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple of weeks ago when we began uh, our look in 1 Corinthians, uh, the first thing that we talked about was the fact that there were divisions. Paul writing to the Corinthian church says, what's going on over there? You guys are divided. One of you is saying, I I follow Paul. The other one says, I follow Apollos. Another says, I follow Peter. And he said, you're divided and divisions are not things, the things of God. Uh, He says in chapter one, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers, some from Chloe's household, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. And he goes on to talk about Some of you are saying, well, I I was baptized by this person, so I'm following that person. And Paul's reaction to that is, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? And the answer, of course, is no. Uh, Christ is the center. And and then in chapter 2, which we talked about last week, he, he talks about the spirit of the living God being in us and And revealing to us the things of God. But he gets back in chapter 3, he gets back to the division thing because apparently the division thing and division is is a serious matter. Division is a serious matter in the church, in the body of Christ. There are no... later on in Corinthians, he uses, at least in the King James Version, he uses the word schism. A division. There's no room for that in the body of Christ. Now, here we are in the middle of a uh, a political year. It's an election year. It's a presidential election year. Hopefully I can make it through till November without having blood shoot out of my eyes with all of the, the, all of the stuff that's going on and all the things that are being said and, and promised, that will never be kept. But nevertheless, now here, here's what I find interesting. We have a two party system in this country and every now and then someone will threaten or will actually run as a third party candidate and everybody gets up in arms. Oh, my goodness, if we have three parties, then this is going to happen and that's going to happen. Do you know that in the country of Israel right now? There are almost 40 political parties. There are, there are, I think, there's like 38 or 39 political parties for 120 seats in the Knesset. Right now, there are 11 parties that have the representatives in the, so that there are like 28 parties that don't even have representatives in the in the government, and we think our three-party, our two-party, three-party system is a nightmare. Imagine having, politi- having 39 different political parties in your country trying to vie for a certain amount of seats that are available. You say, what does that have to do with this? Did you know that there are 217 different Christian denominations In the United States. 217 different denominations in the United States. That have stemmed from, for the most part, divisions. In the body of Christ. And we wonder why the world looks at us and goes, "You guys can't even get along." Now, I'm not, I'm not here to, to, you know, castigate all denominations. Some, I, I believe, were quite necessary because there were there were non-negotiable items that come out of Scripture that were being set aside by some and others said we can't this is non-negotiable we can't get along without the virgin birth we can't get along without the substitutionary death of jesus we can't get along without the resurrection of christ we can't get along without the return of jesus we can't get along without the work of the Holy Spirit in the church. Those, those are some things that are just non-negotiable. But, you know, look around and you see some of these denominations and they're so close to one another, there's just little, little things that don't matter. And you wonder, why couldn't they sit in the same building together and get along? Was that one little thing so important that it caused them to divide? This is what, this is, listen to what Paul says to the church at Corinth, whose Having that problem. They're having a problem deciding who is their leader. They've they've lost their focus on Jesus and they've begun to focus on who they can see. I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. He says, brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly. Worldly now the king james version uses a word i I like that word better than worldly because i don't think worldly really helps us out here but that word is carnal it uses the word carnal i could not address you as spiritual but as carnal he doesn't say that you're not believers he just says that you are and he goes on he says you are mere infants in christ okay there's nothing wrong with being an infant in christ Unless you're old enough in Christ to not be an infant, and then if you're still acting like an infant, you got a problem. Okay? I can I can I can go home and and I can jokingly I can say to, to Christopher, stop acting like a baby. Or he's just acting like a baby. Well, of course he is, because he is a baby. But when he turns 15 like Jake and he still acts like he is now then we have a problem. We have a problem when you act when you're 15 and you act like a child. Imagine when you're 25 and you act like a child or when you're 33 and you act like a child or when you're 50 and you act like a child. He said you're mere infants in Christ. He said, I give you milk, not solid food, for you're not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready for solid food. I'm giving you, I'm giving you milk. I'm giving you formula. I'm giving you something that you can digest because you're not able to digest the real meat of the word. Why? Because you're still infants. You're still carnal, he goes on and he says, you are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? In other words, aren't you acting like the world? Aren't you acting like the world? I didn't get my own way. And since I didn't get my own way, I'm going to take my ball and I'm going to go home and I'm going to pout. Or, I'll just start another denomination. I'll start another church. For those of you who don't know it, I'll just add this in so that you can understand. 30 years ago, 30 years ago, this sanctuary had about 175 people in it regularly on a Sunday morning. And a few people got the idea that they had to have their own way. They knew better than the pastor did. They had a better understanding of God's vision than the pastor did. And so they rose up and they, and they exited out of this place and they started their own church. Jealousy and quarreling, are you not? Well, there was nothing spiritual about that whatsoever. That was worldly, that was carnal. And of course, that place no longer exists. There's no room. Now listen, what he doesn't say here is that there's no room in the body of Christ for disagreement. He doesn't say that. Do you know that it's okay to not to not agree on everything? But if we can sit here today as a group of people, if we, were to, if we were to just kind of gather around and we would make this a little bit less formal and we were to talk to one another and we were to say to one another, do you believe that Jesus is God? And you would, most if not all of you would say yes, yes, yes. We're, we're in agreement that Jesus is God. And when we would say, do you believe that God manifests Himself in three different ways? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Would you believe? And most, if not all of us, would say, yes, 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 yes. We're in agreement with that. And then we would go on and we'd say, do you believe that, that Jesus was born of a virgin? Yes, yeah, we're, we're, in, we're, we're in on that. We believe that. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world? Yes, yes, we're in agreement with that. Do you believe that he rose from the dead? Absolutely. We're in, we're with you. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit indwells believers? Absolutely. Absolutely. We could sit here and we could talk about the things that are important that we agree on. And we could say, we are in agreement with this. We agree with one another. And then we could ask some other questions. we could ask a question like, when do you think Jesus is going to come back? Oh! Now, there might be a half a dozen different ideas of how Jesus is going to come back. I know that in this room right now, there are probably a few people that do not agree with me on what I th- on how I think the end times are going to happen. And you know what? We come in here together and we don't have to talk about that. we got enough to talk about that we agree on. But we agree Jesus is coming. You see, we don't have to start a new church because we don't agree on how He's going to come. Or when He's going to come. We simply believe that He is going to come, and that when He does come, there's going to be a bunch of us here that are going to say, wait a minute, that's not how it's supposed to happen. While we sail through the air into His presence. You understand my point? We don't have to agree on every little thing but we do have to live together in harmony and unity because, that is, because we are a part of the body of Christ. And there are no divisions in the body. He says when we do that, we are acting like worldly people instead of God's people that have been changed on the inside. He says, for when one says, I follow Paul, another, I follow Apollos. Are you not mere men? What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? They are only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. That's it. Paul and Apollos were just tools that God used to bring the message of the gospel to the people of Corinth so that they might become a part of the body of Christ. He says, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. And then what? God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. From, from this aisle over here all the way back to the back corner to the, just to, the, to my left of Tim back in that corner right there. Okay, All the way over to this aisle over here. None of us are anything. Why? Well, because we plant. Some of us plant. We talked about this the other night. I think we talked about it Wednesday night. I can't remember exactly. See, some days, some days I'm a planter. I'm just planting seed. Other days, I'm a waterer. You know the interesting thing about that is? Is on those days, I don't know which I am. Okay? And I I use this as the example of when people would knock on my door to try to get me to believe what they believe, and I would... Shut the door in their, If I were to shut the door in, my, in their face, which I don't, I will always engage them. Why? Because I am going to give to them the truth. Now, when I give the truth to them, am I planting or am I watering? I don't know. And the reason I don't know is because I don't know where they've been. I don't know what they've heard. I could be planting a seed for the first time. It doesn't make any difference. What I'm doing... Because I'm nothing. I am either a planter or I am a waterer, but I am not an increase giver. That belongs to God and God alone. God gives the increase. Once He gives the increase, He will oftentimes call on one of us and we become a harvester. Okay? But only God who makes things grow. The man who plants, the man who waters have one purpose and each will be rewarded according to his own labor for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. I am a planter. I am a waterer. God gives the increase and then He calls someone, maybe me, maybe someone else, and says, here, it's your turn to harvest. It's your turn to harvest. So, God doesn't reward planters more than He rewards waterers. And He doesn't reward waterers more than He rewards planters or harvesters. He rewards each person according to their faithfulness to the task that they had set before them. Sometimes God will bring people to you that need to have a seed planted. Sometimes the seed's already been planted by someone else that you don't even know and He brings them to you and He just needs you to pour a little bit of water on that seed because He's about to give the increase and then He takes them somewhere else and someone else gets to harvest and no one gets any credit for that except God alone because He's the one that made it all happen. There's no room for divisions in the body of Christ. There's no room for boasting in the body of Christ. Oh, look how many people I prayed with to come to Christ. How many people planted seeds and how many people watered that and how much work did God do in that person's life before you ever had the opportunity to pray with them to receive Jesus you have no idea you don't know who's been praying for them you don't know who's been on their face before God praying that God would bring that person to Christ and now you've had that opportunity that is a humbling experience I want I to continue here for just a moment the man who plants the man who waters have one purpose and each will be a rewarded according to his own labor. How faithful were you to what you had? What your purpose. Your one purpose is either to plant seeds or to water depending on which circumstance God brings you into. He said, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. God's building. Okay? I want you to keep that in mind. He's speaking to the Corinthians now. He said, you are God's field, you are God's building. And then he goes on and he says, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. No one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Here's what he said. You are God's building, church in Corinth. You are God's building. And I, Paul says, as an expert builder, he says, I have laid a a good foundation. I've laid an expert foundation. I've laid the only foundation that will hold up the test of time. I have laid the foundation of Jesus Christ. No one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the foundation. Now what He says is, He says, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. Folks, if you ever find a builder that doesn't start at the foundation doing things right, i got to tell you, when they get up further It doesn't matter what you've built from the ground up if the foundation in the ground isn't working. You hear me? Okay. So he says, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. Like, in other words, an expert builder is going to build a good foundation. Someone else is building on the foundation. But each one should be careful how he builds. Now we're going to go ahead. He identifies the foundation as Jesus. If any man builds on this foundation, that is Jesus, using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, His work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. Now, the the day is speaking about The day of the Lord. Okay, Whenever you see in the Bible the the phrase the day and day is capitalized, it is referring to the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord is when Jesus comes back physically, when Jesus physically comes back to the earth to bring judgment against the unbelieving nations and people who are left. At the moment that Jesus is coming back physically to the earth to judge the world and the people of sin, those of us who have had our sins forgiven and we are no longer objects of wrath, the Bible says, we will be taken out of the world as Jesus is coming back. We're going to be taken out of the world and we will miss the day of the Lord, because the day of the Lord, the Bible says, is a day of wrath. And we have not been appointed to wrath. Understand that? We will, if you're a born-again believer of Christ, of, of God, and a born-again believer of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. Because Jesus already experienced that wrath in his body when He hung on the cross for you and for me. Now, okay, so here we have this foundation, the foundation of Jesus, and He said others are building on it. We need to be careful how we build on that foundation. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because... The day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. The fire will test the quality of each man's work. Okay. So it doesn't matter what you think your work is. It doesn't matter what you hope your work is. It matters literally what your work is. What is it made up of? Is it made up of gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or stubble? Because one day it is going to face the fire of God. Literally, the fire of God. And it will be its makeup, its substance, its intention, its motivation. All of that is going to be revealed... By the fire. The fire will test the quality of each man's work. You you, you getting that? I mean, that's just one thing. That's going to happen. Now listen. If what he builds, what he built, survives, he will receive his reward. Now... The indication, at least in the previous verse, would would indicate that those things like gold and silver and precious jewels, those kinds of things, although they do not refer to them literally, the the implication is, is that they will withstand the fire. What do you do to gold and silver in order to purify them? You, you put them in the heat. You put them in the fire. What happens when you put gold in the fire? How many of you ever watch that show, Gold Rush? On, am I the only one who watches, besides my wife, who watches Gold Rush? I mean, what do you guys, I mean, it's the one reality show like in stomach. I mean, you guys are watching things like The Bachelor, and you don't watch Gold Rush? Oh, come on, give me a break. Okay. Anyway, gold rush is about a, about gold mining up in the Yukon and in, in Alaska and so forth. and these guys get piles and piles of gold, and they'll take them to the they take them to the refiner, and they'll melt it down, and they'll put it into a block. But but all this black stuff will come like will come to the top, and they chisel it off because it doesn't count, because it's dross, it's it's waste, it's garbage. They put it in the fire and they heat it up thousands of degrees. See, if, if what he builds survives, he'll receive his reward. Why? Well, the fire, the fire is going to test it and the, and the fire is going to reveal that it was made of something of substance and it was going to come out on the other side of the fire and God's going to see that and he's going to say, Here's your reward, because that work you did withstood the fire. If it is burned up, now we look at the others, and we look at wood, hay, and stubble, and, I mean, if you have a fire, and the fire starts to die down, what do you do to the fire? You add wood to it. Or hay. Or straw. If you, if you haven't ever lived in farmland, okay, if you haven't lived in a land where there's lots of farms, I grew up in, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, all farmland. Not much, not a lot anymore because it's a lot of developments now. But when I grew up, there was a lot of farmland. You ever want to see a hot fire? you get a fire that starts in the hay, in the hayloft or the straw and starts to burn. That's a hot fire. Okay? That's a hot fire. He says if it's burned up, which is, in, which is implying that it's wood, hay, or stubble, because wood and hay and stubble are not going to stand up to the heat of the fire. They're going to be consumed. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. In other words, that work which He did, did not come up to the standard that is going to withstand the fire of God. And so, He will suffer loss. It says, He Himself will be saved. It's not a question of whether or not He's born again. It's not a question of whether he's going to. He Himself is going to be cast into the fire. No, He will suffer loss. He Himself will be saved only as one escaping through the flames folks wouldn't it wouldn't it just be i, I can i'm trying to think of the word i don't want to use the word pity that's not the word i am wouldn't it be wouldn't it be a shame wouldn't it be wouldn't it just be a a, a loss to to be working here on this earth serving God or thinking that we're serving God and doing all kinds of things for God we're oh God look at all the things I'm doing for you and then the things that we do come under the fire of God on the day and they're burnt up because the motive the motive or whatever it was that we were doing didn't come up to the standard of God and we come out on the other side of the fire and all we have is who we are. And we look around us at the people we may have felt sorry for, the people that we didn't see eye to eye with and The people that we thought were silly or they were, uh, well, what what are they doing? And we suddenly see the things that they were doing are there with them. And God is rewarding them for those things. And we are there. We're in heaven. We're with Jesus. But there's no rewards. Because we were building with the wrong materials. You see what I'm saying? Paul says, to the, Paul says to the Corinthians, you are God's building. You are God's building, CBC. You are God's building. And there's a foundation that's been laid. It's Jesus. We're building on that foundation. But we have to be careful about the materials we're using to build on that foundation because they will face the flames one day. And if they're wood, hay, and stubble, they get burned up. But if they're gold, silver, and precious jewels, they'll withstand the flames and there will be rewards for that. And then he goes on and he says this to us. He said, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? And that God's Spirit lives in you? Are you getting this? Folks, this is not something... This is not something that is just spiritual. I want to, I want you to understand. <laughs> I want you to understand that as a believer the Holy Spirit of Almighty God lives in you. Your body is God's temple. Now there are those who will take the concept of our bodies being a temple, and they will they will they will take it in a in a secular way, and so they begin to treat their they begin to treat their bodies in special ways because they say, well, my body's a temple. But folks, I'm going to tell you something. If you know that your body is, a te- is God's temple and that the Spirit of God dwells in you, shouldn't that make us as God's people, God's temple, even more concerned about how we treat this body God's given us? I heard a, I heard a pastor one time, I'll never forget this as long as I live, He said, we have, as Christians, we have a real issue with suicide. We have a real issue with suicide. Not that we have a, an issue with suicide happening within Christian ranks, although I'm, I'm sure that that happens you know, from time to time. I, you know, and I'm not, I'm not here to preach against suicide or, or to justify it or anything like that. Um, but I'm, this was his. This was his example. He said, "He said we have we have a real issue in Christianity in dealing with suicide because we believe that the that our body's the temple of God and that as as people we do not have the right to determine when we will die and when we won't die. That's God's. That's God. God says." I have your days numbered, and God makes the decision as to when we will pass from this life into the next. He said, we we have a problem with that. He said, and yet, we will treat our bodies and abuse our bodies to the point that we will we live less years than God had ordained for us because we abuse our bodies in certain ways and put things in our bodies that were never meant to go there or to be there. And he said, and what we do is we kill ourselves. He said, we literally commit suicide slowly instead of all at once. That was food for thought to me. See, there, there are things that we as Christians will just tolerate because they're not sinful, but they're still bad for us, they still hurt us. Listen to what he says. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is sacred, and you are that temple. Now, now folks, as my... I, I'm not going to get any more specific than that, as my father-in-law would 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 have said, he said, "I have I have stopped preaching and I've gone to meddling, <laughs> and I'm not gonna meddle. Okay, I'm not gonna meddle. I'm I'm gonna I'm just gonna preach." Now how that how that all unpacks for each one of you is something that you just need to take before the Lord but you and I we have we 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 have to come to this understanding there's really no negotiation here we're the temple of God the spirit of the living God lives in us we are God's temple how are you going to treat that temple that's the question That's just the question you're going to have to ask yourself. How am I going to treat that temple? So. Is our work going to withstand... The consuming fire of God. How are we going to treat this temple? And let's not have any divisions within the body of Christ. Chapter 3 was loaded for bear, wasn't it? Paul, was, Paul had a lot to say in chapter 3 lot for us to think about in the week to come let's pray Heavenly Father we come to you today we thank you for your word we thank you we thank you Lord that you you're, you're really clear and really plain to us not a lot of gray in your word so there's, there's There's oftentimes gray in our thinking process as we try to rationalize how can I get around what the Word said. Help us not to do that, Lord. Help us to hear your Word. Help us to receive your Word. Help us to agree with your Word. Help us to step out on your Word and act upon what we see your word saying to us. Thank you, Father. I pray that your strength and your grace will be upon each of us as we digest what we heard today from your word and we begin to put it into practice. Father, we want to pray for these requests that have been made known to us we don't pray for ray lord we pray for her that as she goes into this radiation therapy tomorrow i just pray that the doctors will be able to pinpoint exactly where it needs to go it will do its job and its work and that you will completely rid her body of this cancer and that it will not come back again. We ask for your healing touch to be upon her. In Jesus' name, we pray, Lord. For, for Joni, and uh, we pray, Lord, for her, for her eyesight. We pray, Lord, that you will, uh, that you will slow down this degeneration in her eyes. I pray for your healing to be upon her eyes, Lord, that her, that her sight will improve, Lord, and that she will be able to continue to function as she normally does. I pray for her sister Mary, and Lord, I know that her sister has a great attitude toward this amputation, but Lord, I know that there are, normally there are things ahead, emotions and false pain and so forth that come. And I just pray for a complete and total healing of that surgery, Lord. And I just continue to pray for her, um, for her emotional and her spiritual well-being. Father, draw her close to yourself. I pray for her sister Faith, who is battling cancer. And Father, we know that this is, this is an invasion Of the temple of God. It is an invasion of the temple of God. And we stand against it in the name of Jesus. And we say be gone from this body. This temple of God. Inhabited by the spirit of God. May the spirit of the living God. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead cleanse her body from this awful disease in jesus name we pray and then lord we want to pray for jimmy and we want to pray for little chris and lord we just ask for your healing touch to be upon them as well raise them up in jesus name and lord we we also want to pray for jane who couldn't be here today because she was sick. We also want to pray for, for Marilyn, who's still suffering from the injury to her neck. And we want to pray for her as well. Lord, we just ask for speedy recoveries and complete healing for both of them. And then, Father, we want to pray for uh, the ministries of this church. You have been so gracious to us to allow us to be involved in, in ministries you have brought them to our attention. You have given us these opportunities to be involved in these ministries that are truly reaching people for Christ. And in giving of our resources to them, we are, we are confident that those resources are being used to bring people to Christ. We, we pray for Brother Art now, who's up in Illinois and doing these many prisons. And I just pray, Lord, that in and through that, we will see and hear reports of many who will come to Christ because of these um, ministry contacts, Lord, in these prisons. And we will know that we had a part in that because we share in that ministry. We pray for the upcoming banquet in just a few weeks, Lord. Pray that you will fill that place with people who have a heart to see the gospel go forward. This is not just, a, this is not just raising funds so, so people can go around the United States and do things. This is giving into the kingdom of God so people can find Christ, so people can be discipled, so there can be a difference in people's lives through the gospel. We pray for love serves. And Lord, as we see opportunities to be a part of that, I pray, Lord, that i uh, pray for Peter as he comes next week and we, and we hear an, an update on that ministry. Pray for the transitional center, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to be there last night. Thank you for the lives that were touched as they heard your word and responded to your word. And we continue to pray that not a single girl will ever leave that place without knowing Jesus as their Savior. Thank you for Chaplain Burke. Thank you for her heart of service. Thank you for her heart to see others come to know Jesus. And we pray for our missionaries, for Todd and Shelley and for Chris Garris. Lord, they're in foreign countries dealing with people who who look at things differently, different culture, different ideas, different belief systems, Lord, and they are trying to help them to see the light of the glorious gospel. I pray that by your Spirit, the veil will be lifted, and there will be those who will be able to see the the light of the glorious gospel and respond to it. And we pray for our daycare. We thank you for it. We thank you for the staff. We thank you for the little lives that are being touched each day. The government would like to give us money, but then they want to tell us what to do. They want to tell us that our stories are too violent. They want to tell us we can't tell them about Jesus. We can't talk about the cross. We can't We can't talk about the wonderful things that you you did in the Old Testament, Lord. They tell us we can't do all those things. We turn them down. Because we want these children to hear the truth of who you are and who Jesus is and what he did for us on Calvary. And so we thank you and we continue to ask you to bless this daycare in Jesus' name. And now take us from this place. We go out into the world. We're surrounded by the world. But as they look at us, Lord, may the life of Jesus come out of us because we have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live. Yet not I, but Christ lives within me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. May they see Jesus in us. In your name we pray, amen.